Hi, all things Montessori. I'm so excited for our episode today. I have a really good friend with me today. My friend, Becky Myers Pollock. She is an incredible primary guide. Um, But we actually talk about the crazy world of infertility and IVF because we both um, have gone through it together and now we're both pregnant. I'm a few weeks apart. So we've really been chatting through our whole pregnancies and for a lot of our IVF experience. And I really wanted to tap into what it's like to go through infertility, miscarriage, things like that while you're working in the classroom. I do want to put a trigger warning out. We do talk about miscarriage and pregnancy loss quite a bit in the beginning. If this is triggering for you, just skip, skip through it. Like I've been there before where I've been listening to a podcast and I've had to turn it off. So I completely understand. I just wanted to give you a warning. Also, for some reason, in the middle of this podcast, my audio decided to make me sound like I'm underwater. Um, It's temporary and it gets better. I don't know what happened, Um, but just, you know, please forgive me. Anyway, I really am excited for you guys to listen to this. And if any of you are going through infertility or know somebody who is, um, send me an email. I, this community is so strong. Um, and having the community and the support is really the only way I got through it. Um, so I am there for you anyway, please enjoy this special episode. Well, I'm so excited. I have a dear friend of mine who I've known for many, I don't know, a long time, Um, (laughs) but she's an amazing Montessorian. I have Becky Myers Pollock with me today. She was the primary lead guide at Fiore Montessori for seven years, and now she's working as the director of communications at Fiore. Um, So Becky, I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, so today is going to be a little bit of a an interesting combination of two things that Becky and I talk about a lot, one being Montessori and two being fertility, infertility, and the world of IVF, because we are both (laughs) currently pregnant. Um, We both were amazingly fortunate to get pregnant through the amazing thing that is IVF. So we're going to kind of talk about that. And I, and I know that we're not alone. Like I know that there are other educators and Montessorians out there who have gone through this exact Exact experience. So, so excited to dive into that. Um, Before we get started with IVF, I ask everybody who comes on the podcast and I never get sick of it. And I don't even know (laughs) if I've heard your Montessori story, which is so weird. Um, So if you want to tell us about how you got into Montessori. Yeah. So um, I went like my undergrad in, in college was elementary and early childhood education. So when I was in that program, um, there was a class or two where our professors uh, gave us the option to observe in a local Montessori school for one of our assignments. And I had known someone growing up that went to a Montessori school, but that was, I didn't know anything about it. (laughs) Um, I just knew it was different. So I was like, oh yeah, like I would love to go check that out. So I went and observed and like Literally, I feel like the moment that I walked in, it was like, oh, like this is what is missing. Um, Because I think I had, I knew I wanted to work with children. I, you know, since I was a little kid was interested in being a teacher and, and, and working with kids. But there was something about like schools or the job of teaching or I, I could never really identify it, but there was something that was like a little bit off to me that I wasn't fully into. Mm-hmm. And when I walked in there, it was like, oh, that fixed all of the problems. <laughs> like I, again, still can't put like a, you know, a name to any of it or like describe it in words, but just the feeling um, of being in that school and mm-hmm. seeing how they did things was like, that's, that's what I need to do. (laughs) Um, So then I took a few years after college, where I I was doing like, before and after school programs, I worked in a couple different, um, like child related jobs that weren't in the classroom. Um, And a friend of mine, I looked into Montessori, but it's very confusing, right? Like I, I sympathized a lot with like parents, um, or just people that are like interested in in learning about Montessori because there's it, it's hard to find what you're looking for sometimes yes. in terms of like the information and everything totally. like it's overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so I, I had like researched it before, but always kind of was like, oh, it's something to look into later. Like I'll I'll figure this out later. Right. Um, and then a friend of mine was getting her master's at Loyola University, and she had she knew I was, you know, interested in Montessori. And she was like, Oh, I think I saw something about like that they have um a Montessori program and you can get your master's. And I looked into it and for some reason it was one of those like weird life moments where I was just like, okay, I'm doing that. <laughs> like, I love it. I'm going to move. I'm going to, you know, do this. We'll figure it out. Um, and my now husband um, moved with me. We lived in Pennsylvania and the program was in Maryland. Um, so we moved there and the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> I Montessori has this like universal magical power over people because <laughs> the amount of times that I hear that it was a gut reaction or I mean, even me, I literally was living in New York City and found out about it. And I was like, oh, OK, I'm moving to Baltimore in, in a month. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just like the amount of times I've heard that is so amazing because uh -huh. it is so shocking when you see it or you learn about it. It, it really does sort of it changes. I mean, changed my life. I, I feel mm -hmm. like it just opens your eyes in such an incredible way that you're like, I have to know everything about yeah, this. Yeah, like I, you can't go back. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. so amazing. I do admit I knew parts of that Montessori story <laughs> um, now that you tell it, but I love hearing it all the same. Yeah. Um, and you did primary. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think about doing anything else or were you like primary or bust? <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I think when I, um, like initially, yeah, like primary was what I wanted to do. I, yeah, yeah, when yeah. My, I did um, student teaching one in a, it's been so long, I actually forget if it was kindergarten or first grade and one in sixth grade. And I was like, okay, yeah, sixth grade is not like the older kids are not my thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and I've always kind of liked that younger age group. Um, since doing primary, I feel, I mean, I've always, like the moment that they talked about the A to I in my like primary training, I was like, oh, like, I just, I just want to know that for like when I have a oh, baby, same. right? Same. Like, that, like, I really want to do that. Haven't done it yet, but I would love to. Um, and I mean, elementary is interesting to me too. I just don't know if I have the... The bandwidth to do that training. I feel like it's it's so intense. Um, it's, it's insane. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's so intense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think also, you know, I think that all the Montessori levels, it's kind of like a personality test. Like what, where are you going to fit in the best? Like, I know yeah. that like, I love three to six year olds, but it would be really hard for me to be a primary guide I'm just I'm too clumsy loud and sarcastic <laughs> they would I don't know it would just be I I'm not saying I couldn't do it but it would be hard yeah. I think some of the levels come a little bit more naturally to you you know mm -hmm. and I've had people tell me that they think like based on my personality that I would do really well with elementary kids and I don't like disagree necessarily it's just for some reason at least at this point in my life like it's doesn't appeal to me <laughs> yeah kind of no thing, but... I get it because I'm the same way, like I am kind of sarcastic and I like to be like joke around. And um, I always enjoy being able to do that with like the six-year-olds mm. <laughs> in primary, right? Like I'm like, okay, yeah, you're like at the right place. I can kind of do a little bit of this with you and it's fun. And Totally, you know. totally. Um, well, switching gears a little bit. So we've heard your Montessori story. Now I kind of <laughs> want to get into what we're here to talk about, which is the world of, I'm going to say fertility because infertility seems like so negative. Like mm -hmm. it's not, but it, it sort of seems like you can't do it. Like, right. nope, you're infertile. I'm going to talk about the world of <laughs> fertility. So um, if you want to just sort of quickly or, I mean, it doesn't have to be quick, but tell your story of in as much detail as you want. <laughs> no yeah. worries. Um of fertility and then how you got to IVF. Yeah, uh, I feel like I could talk about this for like ever. So stop me if I'm going on too long. No, <laughs> me too. I'm, <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Um. So it's interesting. I. I mean, I have always wanted to be a mom. Like even when I chose 
you know, early childhood education as my undergrad, I always, and I would say this to people sometimes, but in my own mind, I would always be like, well, and even if I don't do this, like, it'll help me when I'm a mom, <laughs> like, it's sort of how I yeah. viewed a lot of choices in my life. Um, and that's like, kind of, you know, always been like, okay, like, that is the one thing I know I want to do is have kids. But I also on the flip side, and it's strange to like, look back at, I always when I would talk about having kids, I would like preface it with if I'm able to, which I feel like most people don't think about that. Like most people just assume like, yep, when I'm ready to have kids, I'll have kids. Um, but for some reason, like at least maybe, maybe I didn't do it when I was younger, but you know, like college or, or even older high school age, like I remember saying that <laughs> to people. Um, so I don't know if it was like an intuition, <laughs> like I just felt like maybe something would be difficult about that journey for me or, or whatnot. Cause I didn't have any like signs or symptoms that that would be the case. Um, but anyway, so um, when my husband and I got married, you know, we were like, okay, yeah, like we're ready to have kids. And um, I like dived into all this research and um, like loved learning about like birth and pregnancy and, and all those kinds of things. Um, and, you know, time went by, it had been like a year and they suggest, you know, like if you haven't gotten pregnant after a year to, um, you know, go to your doctor. Right. So I went to the doctor and they suggested like, oh, yeah, you could go to um, like an infertility th uh, specialist and and kind of look into that if you'd like. Um, so we did. But when we went, we found out we had zero insurance coverage. And at the time, like we didn't have money to like be paying for all of the testing. and Sure all that stuff. So we kind of put it on the back burner. We're like, well, we'll either, you know, be actively trying or just see what happens, like just let it go. So for like years, I mean, I think it was five years <laughs> almost, um, you know, we kind of just were like, when it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't kind of thing. Yeah. And then we reached a point where, you know, I was in into my thirties and kind of like, well, like, if we want to do this, like, we should probably start thinking about whether we want to pursue, like, fertility treatments or or whatnot to explore this more. Um, so we did. And we still didn't really have very good insurance coverage, um, which is, like, a big problem. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel very fortunate that I have family that was able to help us and, and things like that along the way because, like, I mean, I got really emotional when I, we were offered some, you know, financial help because it was like, there are so many people out there that mm, hearing know. that would just mean, okay, you're not having kids. Right. Um, and that's hard. It, it to, puts like, like it puts things in a completely different perspective for me. Yeah. Like, you know, you wonder why people don't have kids maybe mm -hmm. later, you know, and it, it literally was mind blowing. Lisha. It was, it, it, it like shattered my world. Yeah. When I realized how hard it is, how expensive it is. Mm -hmm. And if you can't make it, I mean, there are tons of options, like there are payment plans, there are loans, like mm -hmm. there are lots of things, but yeah, just, yeah, yeah it's I, insane. <laughs> it, it really is. You do like the blood work and there's like the HSG and, you know, all those oh, yeah. different testings and um, so through that, we found out there were multiple issues <laughs> with why I was not getting pregnant. So, um, for one, I had like low AMH, um, which means, Me too. yeah, <laughs> so, um, and for people that don't know that it, it's kind of an indicator of like how many eggs you have, um, or how many your body is releasing each month. Um, and so if you have a lower number, it's just sort of less likely on any given, you know, yes. cycle that you'll get pregnant. So, um, and then in terms of IVF and things like that, you'll probably get fewer eggs to work with <laughs> once you're trying to yes. make embryos and, and things. So I had that and I also had a blocked fallopian tube. Um, so I had to get surgery to have that. It was either to be unblocked or removed. It ended up needing to be removed. Um, Did you have any pain associated with that? Do you have no. any idea? That's so no. interesting to me. Because yeah. I would have thought like a cyst or something would have, like, I just think that's crazy 
that, you would have no idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so weird. And it's even weirder because like, if you Google <laughs> or like, if you look up like causes, like why you might have um, a blocked fallopian tube, like none of them applied to me. <laughs> so I like still have no idea like what so might crazy. have caused. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? And then my husband also on his side had like a couple of issues as well. So mm-hmm. across the board, it was like, all right, this makes sense, right? That it wasn't happening. And essentially, especially with the blocked tube, um, like the only option is IVF. I mean, there's probably like a okay. tiny, like point something percent chance <laughs> Um, yeah. of getting pregnant with all of our things combined. Right. So it was sort of like, okay, like that's your option, which in a way was freeing <laughs> because it was kind of like, we don't have to make, like the only decision is, is are we going to do this or are we not? Right. Yes. Like it didn't have to be, okay, do we want to start, you know, with a lower intervention and kind of work our way up or, you know, anything like that. And it was also just nice to have a reason that this wasn't hadn't been working before. Um, like I think, you know, a lot of people get diagnosed with just like unexplained infertility. And I feel like yeah. that is so much harder because really hard. Yeah. It's like, why? Like, why is it not working? And totally. Um, so in a way, I feel like thankful that we had, you know, this very clear kind of path that we were gonna have to follow. So we just decided to do it. We're like, yep, <laughs> all right, we're gonna, we're gonna do IVF. Um, and I had to have the surgery first before we could like start, um, you know, our first round. Um, and for was some that reason, was... more of a okay. procedure, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah, you. No, no. Was that more of an intensive procedure, um, than what we go through with egg retrieval? Was it more oh, of yeah. an, so, yeah, so not so, as quick turnaround, like you had no, a little bit. Yeah. It's a, it's a laparoscopic surgery. So gotcha. yeah, the, re- the recovery was, I mean, that, terrible it's a recovery <laughs> you're down um I probably probably like two weeks before I was like I went back to work after two weeks but even still it's probably a good month before you're feeling like oh I'm totally back to normal um and that first week like I mean I couldn't get up and down <laughs> like I my mom came and stayed with us my poor husband got COVID <laughs> like oh my god he was like isolated <laughs> away <laughs> And it was just me and my mom. Well, the um, reason so, I the reason I asked that, and yeah. for everybody, and we're going to get to this, but listeners, if you're not, you know, versed in the IVF world, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of procedures that you have to go through leading up to IVF. There's a lot of invasive things that happen to you. <laughs> so I'm just sort of putting in perspective that yeah. before you were even doing the egg retrieval, you were already undergo. Your body was already undergoing something invasive, something mm-hmm. stressful. So I yeah. just wanted to kind of put that in perspective of oh, how well, hard this journey is. Yeah. So I had uh, one of the other kind of diagnostic things that you have to do throughout IVF is a saline sonogram um, where they're checking your uterus, making sure it, you know, is clear and looks good. And um, it's a procedure that's supposed to be pretty simple, straightforward. They tell you there's really no risk. And I ended up developing an infection from it. And like the doctors wouldn't believe me because oh my God. they're like, well, it's saline. Like you can't get an infection from it. Um, ended up like being admitted for 24 hours, like needing all this medication and all these things. It was a mess. But so I'd had that in December and then the surgery happened in January. And yeah, I mean, that was the, the surgery was fine. It was an intense like week, week and a half. And then yeah. you're kind of, you're, you're doing all right. So after that, kind of on my next like cycle, we started um, our IVF process. I, I don't think a lot of people know, like there's a different protocols that you can have. Um, like everyone doesn't do the same thing for IVF. And I think like you and I had different yeah. I mean, you'll have like different medications or yeah. like you'll sort of like you were on birth control, right? I was not. I did, oh, me like, either. Estrogen. Okay. It's somebody else. Oh, okay, I'm thinking of. <laughs> right, no, I was never on birth control. I did estrogen instead, yeah. like estrogen patches. And it's like, it does. It's like very similar. It's like doing yeah. all the same stuff, but it's just depending on one, your diagnosis and two, mm-hmm. like your body and things like that. And it all achieves the same goal. 
Um, but that is another part of this whole, whole thing is, you know, IVF, there's so many things you have to get to do it (laughs) because you're essentially opening a hospital bay in your own home (laughs) with like needles and I mean, sharps containers and everything. I mean, it is just so wild. Yeah. It's one of those, like, it's so funny that they just let you do it. (laughs) I know. I remember. Yep. You'll figure it out. Oh my God. Xander and I were like, we are not qualified. Like, what are we (laughs) doing? I mean, and then like, but you do realize that it is so well put together. It's hard to fail. It's hard Mm -hmm. to mess it up. That's what there's a lot of room for error. And I really appreciated that (laughs) Uh, because you're already so stressed out. The last thing you want to do is, you know, mess something up. And, And most likely the people that are doing IVF, they've either been trying for a long time or they are just ready to have a baby. So they're on top of it. Like, yeah. I just feel like everyone is like pretty type A when you're going through IVF. Right. Yeah. You have to be like organized. You have to be. Yeah. And that was something I actually was like, I think when you're getting ready for something like this, like your brain picks things to be like excited about. Like I got very into like, oh, like I'm going to make my little schedule for myself and you know, get this thing and that thing and like have it all organized. And that was kind of like yeah. exciting to me. Like I was like, yeah, this will be fun. Um, and I think my biggest sort of taking a step back with um, looking at IVF, my biggest fear like going into it was all of the like shots and needles, right? Like I was someone as an adult, I avoided any injection but what's so funny about IVF is like that that's not the hard part no (laughs) like that part actually is not bad at all um and I'm sure you know there's a wide range of experiences not to say that that that's the case for everyone but it's pretty simple it's nice there's a routine you're like in control um the injections themselves don't hurt that bad Maybe the needles are small. It's yeah, not too like, bad. Right, right. It's it's. It, Menopure, like yeah, that that's the bad. one that burns. Menopure yeah. burns. Yeah, that's yes. right. I remember that. But it's the part after that <laughs> that yes. is the hard part. And so, um, our first round, we did all the injections. My husband would do them. He became a pro. <laughs> like, oh, we so sweet. Doing great. Yeah. Um, and then you know you have egg retrieval which I wasn't nervous for. It's I, I think most people get nervous about the anesthesia you're put under um, for them to do that procedure. And essentially they're just going in there and taking out all the eggs that you've built up um, over the week or so, week or two. We knew I wouldn't have like a ton, like that's sort of, again, with the AMH. Um, and, and the whole time you're being monitored, you're getting blood work all the time. That's more needles. <laughs> you're doing ultrasounds. Um, so you have an idea of like how many eggs they're going to get. Right. So I'm blanking. I think I had nine eggs that first time. And then you're just waiting. The waiting <laughs> like is the hardest. That, yes. That's where the hard part comes I in. I agree. It's so emotional. Mm, and mm-hmm. I, I was not like prepared for that. No, um, it's, it feels like life or death. At least it did for me. Yeah. Like it literally felt like the most important I mean, I, I've never felt that on edge or anxious about anything. Yeah, I think, it was I think so, ever. It was so yeah. hard. And, and I, not that I'm not an emotional person. I'm, I actually think I'm a very emotional person, but I usually do a good job of controlling that or kind of like putting it into perspective for myself. And then in the end, it seems like I'm not that emotional, but for this, like I couldn't, like it was too much. <laughs> and I was like, it was all you can think about. Um, and our results weren't super great. I mean, it was fine, but we ended up not really having any actual, any embryos that reached the blastocyst stage, which is like right. when they would, um, do a transfer, but we yeah. had one that was like right on the cusp <laughs> of being a blastocyst. And we did, um, a fresh transfer, which means they transfer the embryo like five days after you do your egg retrieval. So you can either do that or you can freeze them and have them tested and, and kind of all that. And we decided to skip that <laughs> and just do do fresh. Um, so they ended up transferring. My doctor was like, we'll just transfer this one that's that's almost there. And then things just got even worse <laughs> like emotionally. I feel like I was, like you said, just like an anxious mess. Honestly, I... Yeah. Have never had that level of anxiety. I mean, I was crying 
multiple times every day about it. I felt very like attached to this embryo, but not feeling good about it. Like, you know, like not feeling confident, being worried about what was going to happen. It was bad. (laughs) They do, they call it a beta blood test and they, that's when they find out if you're pregnant or not, if the transfer worked. Which Um, is, I just want to say, which is two weeks, no, 10, mine was 10 days after. Mine was 10 days too. Yeah. Yeah, So it used to be 14 and now Mm -hmm. they do it around 10. Um, Those 10 days feel like a lifetime. So long. (laughs) I can't even handle it. So bad. And I wasn't prepared for how hard it would be. Like, I don't know why, but again, I think it's like, you think you can understand that a needle hurts. (laughs) So again, like before you've experienced IVF, like that's what you think is the hard part. That's the part you're like mentally trying to like be okay with. Um, But I was not prepared (laughs) for like the mental state of that. Well, also like the needle stuff is the most in control that you feel. So mm-hmm. for me, I was like, this is great. Like I'm controlling right. what I'm putting in my body. I'm seeing my doctor every other day. Like I felt great during that time. Same. And then yeah. it's truly like, I mean, that's why like, I think IVF and pregnancy naturally are very similar because it does simply still take a miracle. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> it's still like, there's no guarantees. There are not, you know, and, yeah. and, that, and that kind of worry and stress while it sucks was very much kind of it made me feel like more real about the pregnancy it wasn't mm-hmm. like my doctor was like you are 100 percent getting pregnant if you right. do all of these steps like you'll get pregnant it was like we don't know probably yeah. maybe. like <laughs> we're hoping <laughs> right. <laughs> right and so um you know there's kind of a debate in like the IVF world of whether you should like test at home oh <laughs> before God. your beta well I tested like every day <laughs> I'm the other one. I didn't take a pregnancy test once because I am triggered by pregnancy tests. Yeah. And so yeah. I was living, which is not typical me to disassociate and live in law. Lo- and like, I just wanted to be in, I wanted to be in denial because if I was in denial, then maybe I was pregnant. So <laughs> that's really kind of depressing, but that's where my head was at that point. Yeah, you know? no, I can, I can get that. Yeah. So essentially I literally took a pregnancy test like every day of those 10 days. <laughs> I'm waiting for the beta. Um, And I did get a positive pregnancy test um, and a positive beta. Unfortunately, that pregnancy ended up ending in a miscarriage. And it was kind of this terribly drawn out experience, which totally sucks. (laughs) And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people listening have maybe experienced that or know someone that has. I keep going back to like I think my body knew <laughs> because of well, how yeah emotional I was like like I just felt so uneasy like un- not confident they usually have you kind of you know take a little bit of a break um so your body right. can kind of reset after that happens um because we were I think I was about eight eight and a half weeks along so not too far but enough in that like yeah enough. you know it, it needs a reset <laughs> right um so I ended up going on like a solo trip <laughs> by myself um up to Massachusetts like I kind of took trying to like recover from that seriously which I think made all the difference honestly Mm -hmm. um and I also because the experience of how my anxiety and my emotions were in that second half I mean I was like scared (laughs) to do it again because I was like that was kind of a dark time and like do I want to do that again like I know I do but in the moment like that was scary and so I like put a lot of work into like physically getting into a good place so like I felt good like mentally emotionally like all of that I kind of approached like that time in between starting another round as like getting in the best like headspace and like you know physically in a good place and and all of that and that made such a big difference um that's great yeah like on my mentality um you know I think my body responded so then you know, we did another, um, round, we had to start all over. Yeah. Because for people that don't know, so oftentimes you have leftover, you know, you have extra embryos that have been frozen, in which case we would have only had to do a 
a transfer cycle um, to to do another, you know, try. But we didn't have any left. So we had to start back (laughs) from square one. Um, And that got delayed a little bit. We had a procedure that had to happen and I ended up needing another procedure (laughs) that kind of just pushed it back a little bit. But um, in August, we, we started and I did that same estrogen priming protocol. So you kind of have like a month before um, you're starting all that like active injections and whatnot. Um, so that was the month of August. And then in September, we started preparing for another egg retrieval. Um, and I just felt so different. Like even going into that, I just like mentally, I wasn't as consumed by the whole process as I was yeah. the first time I started uh, running. And so like that, I think was a good like release and distraction. Um, I was like getting kind of into like different food preparation things and like cooking yeah. and, and some of that kind of stuff. So I had some good outlets and and other things to be thinking about. Um, I mean, obviously you're still thinking about it a lot. <laughs> you can't really avoid it. Um, but it just, it just felt so different, like night and day. And, and my husband says the same thing. Like it just, it felt like no big deal. Whereas the first time it was so like, was that the biggest was everything thing. we thought of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, so we did, you know, the egg retrieval. I actually had fewer, even fewer eggs um, that were retrieved. I think I had five, if I remember correctly, or maybe it was six. Um, and, but we ended up having two, um, like embryos that, that blastocysts or, or what have you, um, from that round. And so we were able to do a, a fresh transfer again on that fifth day. And uh, that one worked. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And that's the baby that I'm pregnant with right now. Mm. Um, so that was just like crazy. And I just felt, again, like so different <laughs> from, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you're still nervous. I, I think I cried like the night before I got my first pregnant positive pregnancy test. Because I was like, this just isn't going to work. There's oh, no way. Sure. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and had right. like moments. Um, but I just felt so much different um this time like it felt I, again I was still nervous all of that but I wasn't this ball of anxiety yeah. and worry and like sadness like I was um that first time so now that we've gone through your IVF journey which like damn like that was <laughs> it's also hearing it again there's just so many steps so many things right so mm-hmm. While you were going through that, you were in a school environment. So how was that? Did that impact you at all? Was it comforting? Was it triggering? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think actually, for the most part, I found it kind of comforting. (laughs) I think I've noticed um, in multiple situations in my life, like being around little children is like such a positive distraction. you know, like when is. things are like not going well or you're sad or whatever, like, um, you know, especially a role like being a teacher where it takes so much of you, <laughs> it's almost like you, you know, you can leave some of that like baggage at the door. You, you kind of have to, right? That's often something we talk about, like having to do as as a guide and as a, an educator, Um so I think some of that was really helpful because if I was in the classroom, I was kind of doing this transitional role at, at the time um, for at least part of the school year um, when I was going through IVF. So I was in the classroom and I was also doing it like an admin role outside of the classroom. Um, I was transitioning to passing the classroom on to another guide. Um, mm-hmm. But anytime I was in there, you know, if I was having like a, a hard day and when you're sitting in an office environment, like you dwell on it, right? Like it's hard to Absolutely. distract yourself. Um, so I honestly kind of found it like refreshing when I would have to be in the classroom because I could kind of let go of it and um, have to put, you know, like all of my focus on what was happening in the classroom. That's um, a great point. I. Yeah was also in the classroom leading up to my egg retrieval and while Mm -hmm. 
was really hard. Well, um, when I transitioned out of the classroom for my transfer, when I'm working my job, I currently work at where I'm, you know, it's more like corporate, it's remote, I'm writing Mm -hmm. much more like internalized rather than like putting fires out every day. Because sometimes (laughs) the teaching day goes by so fast, you don't even know what's happening. And I, I get what you mean. I, while it was hard, because you want to be a mom so badly, like you're seeing parents mm-hmm. and children in front of you. It was like weirdly, like just so nice to be so busy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I do, I can fully understand. And I think maybe I've had like small moments of, you know, like you just said, like you see these children or you see them get to go home to their parents or, you know, all these things. And it's like, when, when do I get to have that? But I feel like I, I don't know, I've been able to sort of separate that. I mean, even with like friends getting pregnant and, and things like that, like, um, I, I feel so, you know, badly for people who that affects so strongly. I think for some reason, I have been able to sort of separate my like journey <laughs> from other people's experiences where I didn't quite feel that. Um, like jealousy or Mm -hmm. um, like sadness when somebody else was able to to get pregnant or have a have a child or whatever Um, so I feel lucky (laughs) like that's you know how I felt Um, because I know for so many people um, you know all of those reminders of what you don't have (laughs) sort of you know becomes really hard Oh, I mean, like me personally, like I, that was really hard for me. It was weird because it wasn't like everything. It wasn't like every single pregnant person bothered me. (laughs) It was like specific cases. It was so bizarre. Like (laughs) the mind is just so funny, right? How like it triggered by the weirdest things. But I never felt like that actually with the kids in my classroom or anything like that. Never. Mm. I would actually look at them like you are a miracle. And like, oh my God. And like, I, that's sort of how I looked at it. Yes. Because I was like, wow, like, look at all these. It gave me hope, you know. Yes. Way. I don't know. Same, actually. I feel like I, I kind of forgot about that. But yes, I would do the same thing where I'd be like, look at all of these children. And like, <laughs> I'm sure, you know, there's there's almost no possibility that no one, like none of their parents also struggled, you know, like there's probably a good chance that some of them went through some of this or, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, it's such a good reminder of like the world goes on and like this, you know, like it, it can Absolutely. happen. And yes. All those kinds of things, which is. It makes you get out of your own head mm-hmm. a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now I will say, now that we're both pregnant, <laughs> I... I'm so grateful that I have a job that I can work from home. Damn. All you <laughs> pregnant people going into the office, like, I don't know. I know. And the classroom, I mean, I know we both had a lot of nausea <laughs> and fatigue yes. and all of that. I I honestly don't know how I would have survived <laughs> if I was in the classroom. Um, or like you said, like, I, I was physically going to work at the time when, um, like, I became pregnant, but I was able to stay home when my morning sickness was really bad and do my job from home. Right. I I almost feel like it was some crazy, like, destiny thing <laughs> that I came out of the classroom at that right. time because I seriously, I think I would have had to, like, either quit <laughs> or just, like, take, you know, like, I totally a month off. Yeah, it was so hard. I mean, I was horizontal for an entire month because I just couldn't, if I sat up, like I would be sick. Um, And so, yeah, like you said, anybody who is pregnant and in the classroom or having to do a job where you're very, um, you know, active and on the whole time, like you should all be getting a raise, a major raise. (laughs) I mean, I have no words. I just like, it's amazing. I remember I asked, I was asking my mom and my mom sometimes like, she'll be like very, very blunt. And um, I was asking her about what she did. And she was like, she's like, you just power through and do it. And I think that's true. Like you just Mm -hmm. like, your body will adjust like, you know, like, cause we're working from home. Like we, you know, okay. So yeah, we can go lay down or like work on the couch or whatever, but like, 
you do, you adjust. Like women are amazing, like mm-hmm. resilient and incredible. Okay. So you're well into your pregnancy, right? Like how far along are you? I am 36 weeks and four days today. <laughs> God, how are our emotions? How are we oh feeling? My it's, I, I still like, it still has not sunk in that I am actually having a baby. <laughs> like, I, get that a I feel lot, like yeah. every night I lay in bed and I'm like, like, feel this, you know, like this is real, like a baby is coming. Um, you know, like obviously I'm excited. I love the baby. I am getting all no. ready and all of that. Right, but like of course. the reality of it is so like not real. <laughs> like I get it. Um, but feeling good, you know, as birth gets closer, I'm definitely getting a little bit nervous, but um mm-hmm. we have like a doula and she's been great and um, you know, trying to work on like my mindset about all of it and whatnot, but yeah, we're excited. excited. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, like not to freak you out, but like you're at the point where like you could have the baby at any point. I know. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. And it's like, so even if wild. I, right. And even if I don't have it like a little bit early, it's still only like three and a half weeks, four weeks. You know? I know. It's so, crazy. so exciting. <laughs> So, um, as we're both Montessorians, um, I'm almost 32 weeks, so I'm just a little bit behind you, but I'm sure you're totally in nesting mode. And cause I am, it's like a thing I like <laughs> anyway. Um, but how are you planning to incorporate the Montessori method into your home? Are we going like 100%? Are we going 50, 75? Like, what are we, yeah. what are we doing? I mean, my goal is, I mean, I guess, what does 100% mean? I don't know. I don't but. know. I don't know. That was sort of a silly. No, no, but I mean, it's, it's a good question. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we, so I have like a bassinet for by the bed, you know, the first couple months or whatever, sure. um, but we're planning to do like a floor bed. I have that set up. Uh, I've gotten like the different mobiles and um, some of those like early, um, you know, like grasping materials and things like that. And like a movement mat and mirror and all of those fun things. It's been really cool to, um, you know, when I went through my primary training, I was really interested in the AI um, and like learning more about that. So it's been cool to have like a really good excuse <laughs> to kind of dive more into um, some of that. And, and I have some friends and, you know, guides that work at the school that um, I work for that have been really helpful in like sharing their knowledge that's um, so awesome. as well. So, yeah, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I similarly, I'm not doing a floor bed at first just because I don't know. It's just, I think it's just, <laughs> I think it's just me. Um, Uh, We have a humongous dog. There's just things that like my anxiety can't quite get there. And I was talking with um, Erin Smith. She's a toddler uh, and she's Ada Ada I trainer. She's amazing. And, and something we interviewed her for all things Montessori and something she said really stuck with me. She said, you can have a crib and still be a Montessori. And I was (laughs) like, great. (laughs) <laughs> I was freaking Love out that. Yeah, that I was like not going to be doing my You're Montessori thing yes. <laughs> Um, but what I have read I have the the Montessori baby by Simone Davies yes. I, love, I yeah. love this Love book. book and <laughs> and she has a whole section on if you have a crib like this is what we recommend like and like they have a whole section on that so it just made me feel a lot better because I was yeah. like panicking but I definitely too have you know a floor kind of exploration area. I have the Montessori bookshelf, which is so beautiful. I have a <laughs> lengthwise mirror. I bought some artwork that I'm going to put down at the baby's level and things like that. Yeah. And isn't it so cool to like do it in your own house? Yeah, like, it's yes. so awesome. Yes, that's so true because like we get to do it in, you know, in our classrooms when we were in the classroom, but when it's like your actual house, like where you live and it's like, oh, I have like an opportunity Um, you know, to apply these things here as well. And it's been really interesting because, you know, I think before like the reality of setting everything up came, (laughs) I had like this whole, you know, idea that like the whole house would just be like ready for, you know, a baby once they start like moving and, and all of that. And then you know, the time is here and it's like, uh, yeah, pretty much the baby's room is the only one. And it's still not even like 
fully baby proofed and all of that, but it's, it was sort of a nice um, reality check of like, I don't have to have the whole house prepared. You know, I think I almost wonder if it comes from like starting your classroom at the beginning of the year, right? Like it has to be ready. Absolutely. uh, you know, like having that mindset and being like, no, I actually don't. I can, you know, as the baby gets older, you starting, you know, increasing whatever is, is set up in your house and, and whatnot. I had the um, same thought. I was like low. I was literally, I was just thinking only about the kitchen. Yes. How I was going to have a shelving thing for <laughs> his needs and then a table. And Xander was like, what? Like, <laughs> stop. <laughs> I get it. It is. It's because, and especially too, like the way that we, um, you know, we're mixed age groups. So we're not just thinking about one age. We're thinking about the whole arc. Right. So right. Like in elementary, I'm thinking from six to 12. So I'm thinking in the future. And so it's right. just bizarre to like, really only it's bizarre yet freeing. Yeah. It's like, yes. I don't have to do that right now. And I right, would do it right. when I'm like more rested and not crazy yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah the house doesn't have to be ready for a newborn through (laughs) three-year-old it just (laughs) has to be ready for a newborn (laughs) absolutely I know it was that was a good lesson for me because I was gonna I was like looking at like little hooks for his coats and and Xander Mm -hmm. was like when are we get like what (laughs) let's I know I was doing the same thing and like (laughs) so the kitchen I was like, we just, we moved into um, a different house, like during my pregnancy. And I was like, oh, we can't like put anything in this low drawer because that would be like the perfect spot for like the, the baby's things. I'm like, okay, but like I in know. the meantime, I know. the next year or, you know, however many mm-hmm. months it can have things in it. <laughs> We've got some time, which is really yeah. nice to remember. Yes. Um, that's so funny that you did the same thing. I was yeah, <laughs> sort of losing my mind there for a little bit, but like in a good way, I think it's just because yeah. of our experience. It makes mm-hmm. sense, right? We want to think about the whole arc. We want to think through every process. I mean, that's been a really big thing for me. Um, cause I remember when I would set up my classroom, I would think through like, okay, what's it going to be like for that child to get that material or like, what's snack going to look like? What's this process going to look like? And I feel so grateful that I have that perspective while getting ready for this baby because Mm -hmm. I know we'll observe and we'll learn and like things will like maybe not be what we thought they would be, but it feels nice to have that perspective of just like the thoughtfulness of thinking it through before, you know? Yeah. And I think I know like, um, as I've moved more into like a space of working more with parents, um, that that is something that I don't think like, I think it is an advantage that like our training and our experience in the classroom gives us because that's not necessarily intuitive, right? For people to like stop and think through, you know, what the scaffolding or the setup or whatever that might need to happen um, to have a process (laughs) or a room set up, like go well. Yeah. I think that that will be a helpful skill all through parenting right yeah right like think (laughs) okay I'm gonna use you know whatever knowledge I have or my observations of my child or or what have you Mm -hmm. and be able to break down like how do I get to this place with them um absolutely I mean observation I think is gonna serve us so well I've been like recently my obsession is just with sleep scheduling and sleep routine and everything like that. And I just like, I'm consuming like anything I can. Um, cause I feel like I know what I want to do, but also like, I have no idea what I'm going to do, you know, mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was reading the Montessori baby yesterday and they were talking all about observation. Like what signs tell you your baby's tired? What time? Like, and I was like, Oh my God, like, right. We observe <laughs> like, again, it all just comes back to like observing the child and seeing what's going to work. You know, and I know in the beginning, like they're not used to day and night and all those things will be weird. But like, as you keep going, like there's going to be signs and it'll get easier and easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be such a, like, I want to say challenge, but in like a good way and and a bad way (laughs) Um, to kind of like surrender to that. Right. Like, especially in those newborn weeks or, or months, like you you can't control anything right like it kind of is no. 
about like the baby and what they need and what their kind of rhythm is and figuring that out. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully our observation skills will serve us well. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll do a postpartum episode and we'll, yeah, we'll talk about yes. how that's going. Check in. <laughs> like, yeah, I was observing and then I lost my mind and then I screamed. And I, yeah, no, there's going to be a lot of um, interesting moments. Um, yes. I'm so excited for you though. And I, it's been so nice, you know, I know IVF is traumatic and invasive and pretty negative, but it's also like so amazing that it's led to this experience for both of us. So I'm just so excited for you. Yeah. I'm so excited for you too. I know, and I think it's so close in age. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's so cool to have people, especially like like like-minded people that are, you know, going through the same kind of experience right at the same time. And yeah, we'll have to get together when the babies are both born and have them love that they can (laughs) fall in love (laughs) that's what I say to like everybody who's having a baby around mine I'm like they can fall in love or be best friends or whatever um no it's so true like it is so refreshing to have like a Montessorian and a like-minded individual like that Mm -hmm. I can really um that we can really you know get down to the nitty-gritty and talk about stuff because as I'm sure that you've noticed and I have noticed as well, like everybody parents so differently. There's Mm -hmm. like 1000 opinions out there, probably more. And it can be stressful to like kind of get all that information. So I actually feel really grateful for Montessori that I have a baseline. Like I believe in that. So I'm going to start there. It feels really nice. That is, that's so true. It is like an advantage or a, yeah, just something like, okay, we have a starting point. Yes, I, I have a starting base, right. from scratch. Like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because if I didn't have that, like, I don't know, it would be, it, it's scary. I mean, it's scary yeah. in general, but. Right. No, but there's so much. I mean, I think no matter what, you're figuring out what your exact parenting style and, and what, sure. you know, no matter who you are and, and what you might align with. But, like you said, like having, having something, a structure, um, or a philosophy or, or what have you, um, to kind of base things off of is I think super valuable. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Well, keep me posted on on your baby. Um, I wish for you all the, the, I'm sending you all the energy of like a very quick delivery. Something that just like smooth, smooth yeah. and like mm, that was great. <laughs> um, Thank you. You and sending then, that back to you too. <laughs> much. Um, yeah, and we'll definitely do. We should do a. Well, maybe in six months we'll do like a post. <laughs> a post yeah, we'll one. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what's what's happening. Um, yeah. But thank you so much for being here. This has been great. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. 